0: Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12.
1: Everybody, welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host Corey for the evening, and uh, tonight we're on here with uh, Kendall. Hello, Colin. Hey guys, and Jockstrap's back, believe it or not. Hello. Uh, we're de- we're minus Brady. Uh, Brady couldn't be with us, but no big deal. We'll get him in the future. Uh, today we're going to cover the uh, TCU Horn Frogs, and you know, this is uh, episode two of our Spring Revelation series. Uh, we're going to kind of look back on the spring they had uh you know maybe who popped up who did a good job what we learned about the team going forward and uh we'll see what maybe we can uh, take from that and make guesses onto what they might do in the 2017 season uh today we're lucky enough to be joined by Jeff say hello Jeff
2: hey how are you guys doing glad to be with you
1: pretty good thank you he's from the uh make sure I say this right the uh frogs cast frog cast podcast is that how you say it
2: uh, yeah, we're the FrogCast, part of 24-7 Sports with TCU.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure I said that right, because the way it's written on there, I wasn't sure if you included the podcast word in it or not. So, um, yeah, so where else can they find you at? Any other, any information you want to throw out there real quick on how they can find you?
2: Uh, we're really active on Twitter. You can go to at the FrogCast TCU. You can find us on there. Our website is uh, com, And also, um, you can go to 24-7 Sports and go to the TCU page, and when we post our podcast i think that's actually free so you should be able to find the link on that with it on there and if you're not a member of um, 24 7 you should because uh, it's great content you see it does a pretty good job on their site
0: totally agree
1: yes Yes. totally agree too 247 is probably i would agree unanimously our favorite one of the group yeah we like the 247 stuff um and and again it kind of depends on who covers your team because well, let's just say there's certain people on the ou ones that i'm not huge fans of but for the most part the site itself does a great job and uh i would imagine all the teams are like that osu you guys the osu site pretty good no yeah, not so. very good on that one <laughs> it just depends on who like the rivals we were talking about it's not too great it's you pretty know, much a lot scout them, so. bust for osu yeah okay so i don't know the 247 especially from a national standpoint i think you guys do a great job on the recruiting and everything and that's really where i use it for so
2: yeah, we're we're lucky. We got Jeremy Clark and Jeremiah Glenn that run our page, and they've they've been following TCU for, for ten years, for over ten years, covering TCU for ten years. Uh, Clark, Jeremy actually had an inbed with Coach Patterson during the spring uh, practice season. Spent a whole day with him. Wrote a story about it. So they they got great access. Um, if he posts that he hurt something, it's not off a. Of, uh, West Virginia message board. It's, it's probably the worst
1: of <laughs> And see, that's key because nowadays you got a lot of quote unquote reporters, and like we've always said, we're not we're not experts by any means. That's why we bring guys like you on. So, you know, we try to bring guys we trust, <laughs> and we get you know we feel like we get good information from you. Obviously, so you're one of the guys we try to bring on for TCU. So,
2: well, I appreciate it. I'm part of a great group.
1: Yeah, you guys do a good job over there. um Kind of starting out, just you know. We'll go ahead and kind of do an overall view. Your big takeaway from the spring game itself, I mean, you can also throw in spring as a whole, but generally these things kind of focus on the spring game um, from it. And um, then obviously, well, go ahead and answer that first. What was your just overall takeaway from the spring game itself?
2: The number one takeaway from the spring game is that Sean Robinson, the heralded four-star quarterback from DeSoto that took DeSoto High School to 16-0 at the highest level in Texas high school football, He's been committed to TCU for two years. He was an early enrollee, and the the, the formal word was he was going to redshirt. And by the time the depth chart came out after the spring game, he's the second, he's the number two quarterback, and he took a ton of reps with the first team in the spring game. And the the moments that the fans got the most excited is when Sean Robinson had the ball, throwing it down the field, running the zone read, using his legs to stretch the field. Sean Robinson is going to be very difficult to keep off the field. That's good and bad because he's got all that ability that is going to see the field early, and it's also bad because that means Kenny Hill has not come along with the, in, in potentially the way that we need him to, and we could be rolling out there with, the, with a tough road schedule with a true freshman playing quarterback. That's the big takeaway. All the, all the eyes are on the quarterback position. We've got depth and um, ability all across except for quarterback, so it's really going to be curious to see what happens because if they're neck and neck going and coming out of the spring and into the summer i nobody knows what's going to happen but it's sure going to be uh something that horn frog fans are watching
1: yeah that that was going to be one of our questions we had later on the show too was just robinson did you feel like um basically what the question was was that you know he started out as a pretty high four-star prospect but you know towards the end he had been dropped to a three-star by some people after some not good performances and some of the the events and stuff that the recruiters were doing. And Martin basically, what we were wanting to know is, do you feel like you're you're getting closer to the former quarterback, or the more recent one that we saw in the recruiting world? As far as what did TCU get there? So it sounds like you guys are are definitely got the former, not the latter there, because there was there was whispers of the next Travon Boykin even. So,
2: you know. I, 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 you know, I, I'm I'm part of a recruiting service with the Frogcast, so I don't want to like just go out of my way to dog these people, but I think we can. I think Oklahoma State fans would agree that they're gonna if they're if they're trying to break a tie between two recruits, one goes to OU, one's going to Oklahoma State, they're gonna they're gonna tip the scale to the blue blood. Sean mm-hmm. Robinson went 16 and 0 in the best high school football in the country at the highest level. You don't do that on accident. Mm-hmm. Anybody that watched him in the playoffs, he put that team on his back drug them to the state championship first ever for a story program like DeSoto. And anybody that watched the spring game, Sean Robinson is the future. I'm I'm sure there's somebody that looks better in the seven on seven underwear Olympics. But I wanna know <laughs> what you do when you're getting chased by a free safety on a blitz and you've got to make a decision quick on whether to throw it, whether to keep it, Sean Robinson knows what he's doing and I'll I'll put him up against any quarterback um, that, that's coming in on the, on the 17th class. shot Robinson is his player.
1: Good. That, that's kind of what we wanted to know on that question. Well, kind of back to the offense real quickly here. Um, you know, the offense itself, it performed rather poorly, as was reported by a lot of people. And, you know, I, I watched the game back, and I wasn't overly ecstatic about what I saw, I'll be honest. But, you know, they had five turnovers, only one touchdown. The, you know, and, and a lot of people generated the idea that the defense did pretty well. You know, although – you know, nobody really wanted to come out and say, well, it was because the defense was great or the offense wasn't great. Just kind of in your opinion, or do you have a more, you know, maybe nuanced opinion as to what took place in that spring game, or did one do really good, one really poor? You know, what's your opinion on that?
2: You know, there's a couple things that work there. I think the defense is going to be a lot better this year. Most importantly across the defensive line, the front is gonna is going to be strong. This is going to be our best defensive front since 2004. And I think it's going to do a lot of damage. And, they, and they're still kind of young. So we're, I think even though we're losing some key starters, some guys that are in NFL camps, guys that got drafted like Josh Caraway, we're going to have a, deep, I mean, a big impact from that defensive line. And I think that's probably what, what is causing some of the chaos in the spring game. But also, I mean, it is, it is public record that Patterson wants nothing but a base offense in the spring game he wants nothing that can be evaluated nothing that can be recruited and uh, nothing that can be assessed or diagnosed mm-hmm. there, there's a there's a folklore about the 2005 Oklahoma spring game that was on Fox Sports <laughs> that yep. Patterson watched 50 times all summer and we opened the season beating Adrian Peterson and Oklahoma when we were in the mountain West mm-hmm. and that Patterson is haunted by that that he was able to do it he didn't want anything done to him uh, ever since so while the then... spring game might have looked sloppy at times. I'm not really worried about the offense. I think we're going to be able to stick on that front. But if the defense looks good, I think it's because the defense is going to be really good.
1: Yeah. and Ever since then, that to your point, ever since then, Bob Stoops has pretty much shut down all practices and everything since that. I mean, it depends on, you know, you don't ask the guys closer to the team than I am. But from what I can tell, ever since that happened, that's when all of a sudden OU became closed. No more practices were to the public. You know, the, now the spring game they have, you know, welcome back in with open arms and people can come watch. But, you know, I I personally believe that that game had just about everything to do with the fact that you can't cover practices now. So other than the 20 minutes oh, they agree. let you in to stretch. So,
2: yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, just not to go off topic, but that's the tension of a spring game. Mm-hmm. If you want your fans to be there, you, wanna, you want to you see some, you know, early enrollees, you want to see the new kid that might be stepping up at a Key position, but you know Patterson's favorite quote is, "If I tell you, I'm telling Oklahoma," and so he mm-hmm. does not want to reveal anything. And that's that's across the board with coaching staffs, I'm sure. So you want to have that moment, you want to get build excitement and get your fans to buy in early, but you're not going to show the the new, uh, you know passing tree route on film for for people to be able to break down. You're just going to go out there and hope that nobody gets injured and have let the fans have a good day and sign some autographs and and go home. That's what you really want.
3: Yep. Yeah. Jeff, this is Kendall. And uh, my question is, is that with with Sunday coming in now, and it's going to be the the play caller from upstairs. How do you feel the transition is going to be into that? I think it's going to be pretty smooth transition.
2: You know, I'm sure there's going to be some hiccups because this is going to be the first time he's had um, total rain over that off taking the complete reins of that offense. But, you know, the key addition this offseason was Chris Thompson, who was the offensive line coach at Arizona State that has worked with Cumbie before. He's come in, and that was honestly a deficiency in the last year and maybe even the last two seasons, is being able to have a, a, an offensive line that gelled and was able to make things happen. I think you're going to see with Cumbie – that, that spread philosophy that knows how to stretch the field and knows how to pass the ball but is not afraid to run it, that is not afraid to, to you know, line it up and, and have an H-back that's the lead blocker for your tailback to be able to run the ball. I think Patterson, in, through Cumbie, wants to reestablish a sense of physicality with the offense and still be able to, to use all the playmakers that they have. Because in, in all honesty, that was kind of what was missing last year there was some. I watched the replay of the bowl game the other day against Georgia, and it was just, it was, it was hard to watch. I mean, mm-hmm. we're running jet sweeps on third and one. We're taking our big bruising running back, uh, Alana Lula, and we're running a sweep with him. We we did not have the ability to line it up and, and get five yards like we had in the past. And I think you're going to see that addressed in one way or another this year. And Humby's going to be the the one that makes it happen.
3: Well, that kind of leads me to this next question: Is you know, with, with Kenny Hill. He's one of those guys that seems like he, he makes one play that's like this amazing athletic play, and then a few plays later he makes a play, and you're like, what in the world was that guy thinking? Do, do you think having that run mm-hmm. game, if they they really start pumping in that run game, that'll help relieve that stress on him?
2: I think it'll release relieve the stress on him. He carried a lot of right. uh, undue burden of, of having to follow Boykin, which is difficult. But also, you know, he felt like there wasn't any. There were there, you know, that he, if he didn't make the play, it wasn't going to happen. Right. And so that probably led to some ill-advised picks. Our joke last year was, you know, Kenny Hill was going to throw a pick six at the worst possible, or throw an <laughs> interception at the worst possible time, and he found a way to do it. Oh,
1: well, believe me, we um, had the same joke. So I think Trevor with Knight, the 2.
2: reestablishment <laughs> of the run game, Kenny Hill is going to be able to stretch the field a little bit more and not feel so forced to to, to throw a ball in the tight spot. Or, take, or to take it off and run when he when he doesn't even need to, I think that will start to sort itself out a little bit by reestablishing the run game. But Kenny Hill is, is a—that's an enigma, man. He's right. got so much ability. At moments down. he looks great, and then there's moments that you just—it is so frustrating as a fan. I bet it's a. You know, I bet it's a little bit like Trevor Knight for old, for Oklahoma fans a couple of years ago that he can <laughs> yeah. do such good things and then you're just like oh my gosh, why did he throw
3: that ball Yeah we, we kind of nicknamed him Jacqueline Hyde here on, on the podcast because it seems like you, you just one moment you're like you're just amazed and the next minute you're like, whoa, that's like a that's a high school throw mm. you know it's just it's one of those things where you yeah. just, it's you scratch your head because you see how much athletic ability the guy has and you just keep waiting for him to mm-hmm. take that next step because he he's a special athlete there's no doubt about that. Right, yeah.
2: but the thing with Hill that is is going to be curious, and this is going to be the what Sean Robinson is going to be able to challenge for. If you just watch tape on Kenny Hill from from Southlake Carroll from his that year that that great start at A and M that fizzled out, even last year, he has a hard time stretching the field. He does not have the cannon that mm-hmm. some of these guys have, like like Boykin had. Mm-hmm. So we, being able to stretch the field was is, was difficult for Kenny Hill. In fact, the only time he he threw the ball deep pretty well was against Oklahoma last year and so they've got to find a way and that's where I don't know if, if that's tied up in scheme or pressure or not being able to run the ball he's got to be able to get the ball downfield if we're going to succeed this season
0: right okay uh, Jeff this is Colin had a kind of staying on a Kenny Hill train here last year uh, mm-hmm. pro, pro football focus conducted several studies recently and one of them concluded that Kenny Hill had more passes that were just dropped than any other quarterback in all of division one with what you've seen in the yeah. spring and everything with the wide receiver group that's actually returning and and of course the two highly recruited freshmen coming in do you know what what's going on you know what's causing these drops if it just lack of focus or and uh, has this been addressed in the spring is it going to be something that's going to kind of bother them going forward
2: well it, it can't get worse i mean that's <laughs> <laughs> the positive you can take away from it we did we led the country in drop passes and you know some of those were you know through the fingertips on a on a on a route down the field and that happened. Yeah, but definitely. But there were so many you know we're dropping bubble screens we're we're dropping a hitch that that can't happen. And I I don't want to psychologize it, but there was a there was a top to bottom anxiety from Meacham and some of the difficulty that they had dealing with him through the season to Kenny Hill to a forced turnover to oh my gosh we have to make up and um, make up some ground pretty quick here. I think I think that just kind of filtered down to the receivers. I don't know the coaching of catching a ball, but these guys have been offered positions at some of the highest. You know, it, it's some of you know it's, it's a top division one school that wants to throw the ball. They can catch the ball. There's clearly something more than you got to put your thumbs together when it's high and your fingers together when it's low. And I think some of that's going to get sorted out. And I think it's going to be leadership at the top more than it is. Let's let's run some uh, drills to learn how to catch the ball better. Right.
1: Well, kind of going along the defensive line here, move to the other side of the ball. Uh, the Frogs lost three, you know, really I felt like personally great players, and Josh Carraway, James McFarland, and Aaron Curry on that defensive line. Um, you know, they, they got some good names coming back like Bethley and Ellis. Um, did you find out anything on this defensive line? A lot of people kind of felt like from what I could tell, and correct me if you don't have the same opinion, that as a group overall they may actually be better and have more depth just may not have the names of the playmakers. Did you gather anything like that from the defensive line or learn much at all about them?
2: I think the defensive line is going to be the the, the surprise strength, considering how many pieces we have to replace. Uh, Ross Blacklock will be a redshirt freshman. He was a four-star defensive lineman out of suburban Houston, committed to the Frogs at the Army All-American game. Um, you know, big-time recruit. We, we beat out A&M for a four-star recruit, which mm-hmm. is for TCU, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And he came in; he had to kind of lose some weight and regain weight in the right places. By all accounts, from what we saw in the spring game and from practice reports, and just people that I that I've talked to, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. He's got four years to play at almost 330 pounds. That has been shaped into the the, the physicality um, needed to play defensive line in the Big 12. He's going to cause some damage. You just you just don't get to be 330 and be that, that that big and that strong and not cross chaos. So I think he's going to really contribute. And then there's a couple other guys that, that aren't going to be on anybody's radar that I would I would encourage you guys and fans to keep an eye on them. Ben Baganu was a transfer from ULM, Louisiana Monroe. He redshirted in 14. He played in 15. And then after 15, he transferred and sat out last year. So he's got two years to play two at TCU. Go watch the ULM-Alabama game in 2015. Okay, He looks like he should be playing for Alabama and not <laughs> ULM. And so essentially he transferred to upgrade and be able to play, and he has been named the starting defensive end. He is a man. I mean, he is a big, bruising man, okay. and he is going to cause some damage at, at defensive end to be able to both get after the quarterback and know how to stay lateral on stop in the run. So I feel really good about what he's going to be able to do. And you flip it over to the other defensive end, you have Matt Bozen that has one more year to play, kid that had transferred from Boise on the junior co- uh, junior college route after Boise. Um, he's going to be able to contribute. But the other name to keep an eye on is Brandon Bowen. From Trophy Who club, was yeah. part of the the Baylor free agents, for lack of a better term. That group that had signed, you <laughs> yep. know, we're on the one-year anniversary of Brian getting fired. That group of his group that got released. So that's the one that came down to crazy. Oklahoma,
1: TCU, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's okay. right, that's right. So I looked at it as a win that Oklahoma got Parrish Cobb and we got uh, Brandon Bowen. I think well, that worked I out th- well. I think yeah, it worked out real real good for the TCU
1: side of things.
0: Golly. <laughs>
2: yeah, I Yeah, th- I, thought, I thought that worked out pretty well. So <laughs> he's going to be able to – and, again, he's going to be a redshirt freshman. He sat out last year. He, uh, he had to recover from an injury. He's going to make a big difference. So I'm, I feel really confident about that. There's another guy, and this is no, – no recruiting site outside of TCU has covered this. And I don't even know the whole story. Transfer from a junior college, George Tuaua I heard think that I name his name right. Yeah, I saw that, that name. Moen. I wasn't sure how to
1: pronounce it. Yeah, he,
2: he's 24 years old, maybe wow. 25. Wow. He went. Um, he went. He didn't go. He, obviously, he wasn't on the linear path, but he was <laughs> on a Mormon mission, and then he got engaged playing JUCO defensive line. And he's he's 25, 26 years old, something like that. He's married. He's over 300 pounds. He looks really good on tape. And I just I, I buy into the, the logic. If you're in a bar fight, I want the twenty six year old guy, not the eighteen year old guy. <laughs> yep, exactly. And I think he's gonna be able to, to do some good things online. He's gonna be one of those Patterson specials that comes in does some damage at the most opportune time and everybody's going to be like why didn't we recruit him and everybody's gonna be like I've never even heard of him and he's going to end up being second team all Big 12
1: yeah I was reading about him on I want to say it might have been Campus Insiders one of the sites was talking about him as, as along with Bethley and some of the other ones that they thought would be you know big returning names but uh or, or new coming names to the team but i you know i i wasn't sure how to pronounce his name either so i didn't throw that out there in the list of names <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> i saw that and i was like i'm not even going to touch that one
3: so uh that's how it goes <laughs>
2: hey, hey I, i've been butchering polynesian names for years I used to yeah. live out near euless texas which is a, a huge uh you know, polynesian community and that's i've been butchering poor hmm. names there for years <laughs> too many vowels too many vowels <laughs>
3: yeah. uh was there anybody in the spring game that just, or uh, throughout the spring, not necessarily just the spring game, but maybe a couple of names that maybe we we as uh, just general fans don't really have it, know their name by yet, but that you see that's really going to make a difference this upcoming season?
2: I would I would still keep an eye on two guys. They they weren't in the spring game because they're they're moving on to campus next week. But um, Jalen Rager and Omar Manning are two wide receivers that I feel really confident are going to be able to make an impact right away. I don't know exactly how quick they'll move into the offense, but they're going to have a really hard time keeping those two guys off of the field. If we if we have anybody that's had the drops that still has the drops, they're going to go with uh, Jalen and Omar pretty quick to get them out there. And those were. In, according to different services, those were two of the top-rated uh, wide receivers in the state of Texas. So one of them oh, had yeah. them, you know, two and three. One had them one and four. I mean, I know um, Rambo and Lamb were uh, obviously highly rated as well. But Rager and, and Manny are are, are going to be perfect fits in this offense. So I'm, I'm going to have a hard time believing they're going to be off the field all season.
1: Yep. Yeah, they were two very high ones. That And that's another – recruiting battle that day one OU you know Rager was at OU and got flipped after visiting TCU the weekend that OU beat TCU so that was a, that was an interesting one uh, L- Omar you know that's the thing that's crazy you mentioned Lamb and uh, Rambo OU possibly could have had all four of those at one time so that was huge for TCU to get two of them because they had Omar oh, yeah. they had that, Omar that had visiting Omar in Man. the other three yeah mm-hmm.
2: okay Jeff uh, that was a big recruiting battle holding off, holding off Texas after Herman got there with, with Omar Manning was a was a big deal. Yeah, That, was, that was a big recruiting win.
0: Yep. Yeah. All right, well, going back into to last season, we, we kind of felt, and it seemed like we talked about this on a weekly basis when we were kind of doing our team reviews, but we felt that the TCU didn't really run the ball enough down the stretch, even when there were times when Hicks seemed no. to be really hot. So, well, obviously you, you seem to feel that that's fair. Do you expect there to be uh, kind of an emphasis on running the ball this year? And if so – who do you think will be kind of the key player of the run game? Will it be Hicks this year?
2: You know, running the ball, it's going to begin and end with Kyle Hicks. He's going to be a senior. Right. He had over 1,000 yards last year. He's he's the best player on our – he's the most productive player on our offense. So, Kyle Hicks is going to get the boatload of the carries. But I also see Darius Anderson, who's going to be a sophomore out of George Ranch in suburban Houston. He had some great moments at a 70-some yard run against Texas. Actually did okay in the bowl game. Um, he's gonna he's gonna cycle into the offense and probably be some relief to, to Kyle Hicks and what he does. And we, we had a, tra- a graduate transfer that went out, uh, Trevoris Johnson, transferred graduated and transferred to Oregon State. So you're gonna see sophomore. I always butcher his name. Shewu Alalanu is he's a he's a freak athlete and he is gonna be. He had some great hits good runs against Baylor. Did okay um, against Texas. I think he's gonna be a hammer that he's going to be the, the guy when they need to line up and get four yards and, and just put their finger down and get, get some yardage. I think Shea was going to be in there. And so those three guys will probably be the three-headed monster with you know, Hicks getting 50% of the carries and then 25-25 in terms of distribution to the guys in the backfield.
3: Good, because like you like were saying, last year we felt like Hicks, even when he was on a row, they just didn't seem to feed him the ball enough and we, were, we couldn't figure out the oh. reasoning behind that.
2: You know, I said this on another show last week, but there were multiple times that Patterson mentioned at halftime in those annoying halftime coaches' interviews <laughs> that he was not happy with the play calling. And that was part of Meacham moving on. So mm-hmm. I, 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 that, that frustration that you felt, is, or you, that, that question you had, is nothing compared to the frustration we felt and nothing compared to what Patterson had to feel watching um that, that inconsistency of, hey, why don't we give the ball to
1: Kyle Hicks a few more times? Yes. <laughs> we were just trying to make sure we saw the same thing you guys saw because, again, we were starting the show out last year, and we were learning these rosters. I mean, outside of our own fan base interest, we didn't know much about hardly any of these teams other than a few key names. So as we were learning mm-hmm. them going through, we thought, well, from everything we can tell, Hicks is a really good running back, and the running games are there, the running lanes are there. Why are they not running the ball? So we were just trying to make sure we assessed it the same way.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: if you find out why, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, kind of stand on that tune real quickly. If you want to run the ball down the stretch, you know, and especially when it comes time to put it away and you got to put the game away, your defense can't be giving up easy points. And uh, there was times last year that secondary again the Oklahoma game gave up some horrific huge pass plays and t- you know they, they just I can't tell you how many times we came in to this show after the weekend going where did this TCU defense go and the secondary go that we thought yeah. would be you know pretty solid uh, have you seen anything heard anything this spring to kind of to uh, you know they're going to sure up those secondary issues is there new guys that are going to play a key role some different coaching tactics anything like that?
2: You know, I think it's just going to be a sense of consistency in some guys that have have grown up a little bit. You know, you get a safety like Nico Small that probably should have redshirted in 15, but we had so much um, injury that he wasn't able to. So he's he's out there playing, and then he's out there playing again last year. And by the end of the season, you know, I know we gave up some points to K-State and Oklahoma State, but, you know... Nico Small started to really excel. He played really well in the bowl game. I think you're going to see Small. I think you're going to see uh, Jeff Gladney. I think you're going to see Marvin, uh, you know, Julius Lewis and Ranthony Tejada. I think you're going to have a, a group that's going to be able to gel and have that experience. And, you know, the Patterson, the, the Patterson defense is, 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 is not the easiest thing to grasp. You've mm-hmm. got to have a sharp mind of the defensive backfield to make the 4 work. Yeah. And work. And I think in terms of growth, of, of what they understand from the film room translated to where you have your body ticks on the field. I, I feel a lot more confident about our defensive backfield going forward.
1: Good. Good. Cause I was just curious about that. I, I, I I know it had to be frustrating for a fan, a TCU fan, because it was just like, man, we we well, you know, my philosophy was I I have to cover TCU as one of my teams for the show. So, my philosophy was after the 15 season with all the injuries and all that, and and, you know, the last Mm -hmm. time we really saw them in league was that crazy finish in Norman. You know, all that going on, I thought, yeah. you know, they're going to have all these guys come back that gave them – that now mm-hmm. gives them experience and depth that got to play, plus all the guys back healthy. We just were expecting big things for the defense overall, and it just never came to pass. And we I, it was just frustrating for us to try to figure that out.
2: Yeah, it was frustrating for fans to figure out, too.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I don't know if this is a – a. How, how fair this really is but there's like there was some kind of rumors heading around or some you know talk heading around that that coach patterson was starting to kind of get burnt out you know per se is there i mean have you seen any signs of that i mean I, to me he seems like a pretty fiery guy so i think he stays hooked up but do, do you see anything that leads you to believe that
2: you know, I I think he's a pretty prideful man, and I think the idea of having last season, uh, the the way last season went, and especially how it ended, I think that got under his skin, and he 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 had the courage to make some changes. I mean, he pushed Doug Meacham out the door. Right. He uh he he brought in a new offensive line coach. He brought Sonny Dykes in from Cal, who got let go there, who is an offensive analyst working with 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 Cumbie, and so I I think you know if you go look historically. Every time Patterson has had a down year, he's he's been smart enough to retool and been willing to make a change, which some coaches aren't speaking of Mike Stoops, and he's able to <laughs> do uh, those changes that need to make, that need to take place, and it, and it and it brings him back with a fury. So you know, I'm not predicting 11 wins, right. but I know that he's focused. I know that he's got um, he's he did in this offseason what we saw after 04, what we saw after 13. And I think he's going to be able to bring that back to a to a high level. I, I know he's not going to coach as long as Bill Schneider did. He's not he's, right. he's not going to coach until his seventies. But I know he's not going to he's not going to limp along either. And so if he's done, I have a feeling he would be done. He's he's going to he's not going to go the Mac Brown route where he has to get kind of politely shoved out the door. He'll retire a year too early, not a year too late. But if you uh, he looked pretty ticked off numerous times in spring practice. And TCU fans love that. When when Patterson is, is frustrated, that means he is locked and loaded and he's probably got a pretty good team. And there were multiple times where I was like, "Oh my gosh. Keep keep to <laughs> Keep running him down." <laughs> well, we we love that. Yeah, and, and
3: Patterson just seems like the type of guy that it's like some people might get frustrated this season, but it seems like that he's the type of guy that that just adds fuel to fire. Like it, yeah, it almost reignites him again. Yeah, like the challenge would reignite him to to come into this season even harder. Yeah.
2: Well, mm-hmm. um you know, learn, learning how to be a, a, a Power 5 team is still in some ways new to TCU, TCU fans, and he's had to figure out, I, I think the whole program has had to figure out the balance between being an established winner and playing the role of the underdog, and being able to kind of, because he feeds off of that. when. He feeds off of, you know, the chip on their shoulder or just a little private school or they don't have the fans the other big state schools do. He he, he loves that. He loves when people badmouth TCU. And I think, I think what happened last year combined with kind of the whispers like what you just said, mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling he's He's going to be ready to roll this year, and have the team ready
1: to go. Him and him and Stoops remind me so much of each other. I know a lot of TCU fans probably don't want to hear that, but Bob is the same way. Like if no, if he that's, can that's and, and Stoops
2: is the great coach.
1: It's different for doing that as as Oklahoma, who is an established power historically and everything. But anytime they're oh OU's in a down year or oh they're not going to be favored or like I guarantee you. He's hoping everybody – like, a lot of people are picking Oklahoma State to win the league right now in the early polls. I'm hoping mm-hmm. – I guarantee you he's enjoying that. So, uh, I see a lot of Patterson in him, too. They do a lot of the same things. in and, and with yeah. you saying
0: that, they it seems like that's kind of scaled back a little bit recently. I've started seeing OU being ranked ahead of OSU again. Like, OSU's pushing down to, to below 10, where OU's moving up to, like, seven, six, seven.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, well, when you get, you'll have the big uh, preseason magazines that'll be coming out pretty soon. I mean, Lindy's is already out, but I usually don't really hold them in high esteem as I do some of the other ones. So, um, you know, they there'll be a lot of well, those I that'll come we out.
2: Well, I think we know this. If you're looking at the rankings, if I, if if uh, if you got Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I would take K State to be two of those three, and I, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm wrong. No, we
3: we, we on this podcast we we have said this is K State's year. Like we we said that last year, we were talking about you know they're one year away from being a really good football team, and I so we're we kind of expecting the same thing to be honest. They're
1: going to be dangerous this year. Like I, it wouldn't shock me if they finished second or third in the league. Like I don't know that they will, but it oh. wouldn't shock me if they did
2: how would you like to beat K-State by a field goal and then have to claim in the Big 12 title game? You know? Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody no, wants to have to do that twice with him. No. Oh, hell no. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I just kind of um, I mean, – we're going to kind of move to our open thing here where we got some just, you know, any uh, any questions that came off the, off the show that may have popped in anybody's head. But uh, before we get to that real quick, anything else you want to throw out there from the spring that we didn't get to that you might, you know, anything you, else you saw that you definitely want to get out there to the TCU fan base or anything you're excited about or dreading or this or that schedule, anything?
2: Well, you know, related to that, I would just add we've had some attrition at quarterback. We had uh, Foster Sawyer. He started the 15-game at OU. He transferred um, to an FCS school. Brennan Wooten, that was a high three-star out of West Texas. He had been down in suburban Austin, but he transferred as well, and he just finished his freshman season. He's going to Tyler Junior College, mm-hmm. and so we're we're losing depth at quarterback. But we brought in a we've we've been um, um we got a transfer that came in from from um from the East Coast from Penn named Michael Collins, I believe, and he's coming in. But the big thing, every TCU fan is talking about this right now. Uh, You know, there's uh, Justin Rogers, who is one of the top mobile quarterbacks in the country out of Bozier City Parkway. Mm -hmm. He's committing this Wednesday, which is uh, May 31st at 6 o'clock. And TCU's in a pretty good position to land him. And if he commits to TCU, there will be a series of Louisiana recruits, in my opinion, that are going to want to follow him to uh, Fort Worth to, to play for the Frogs. Our recruiting has really stepped up in the last couple of years and Justin Rogers is going to elevate that even further. And so I know everybody says, oh, you get a quarterback, and he built the class, but I think this is actually happening. So if you follow recruiting, mm-hmm. watch what happens um, on May 31st and then through June and July. Mm-hmm. Anybody that wants to commit to TCU from Louisiana is is going to have an open invitation to uh, come on board because Justin Rogers is going to build that class if he ends up
1: at TCU. Yeah, we've talked about it on this show several times. I'm a uh, I'm a recruiting junkie on the show. We do the recruiting shows we did, and I'm a firm believer in, with the exception of probably the SEC, for the most part these these classes can be built around a quarterback early on that is highly mm-hmm. touted that people want to play with, and next thing you know, I mean, I, I saw it just last year with Oklahoma 17 class. Um, you know, you got it, and you had a chance to do it again with the eighteen class before you flipped to Texas. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can see it with a lot of these classes. They get a quarterback in there early, especially with the the upper echelon schools. Then all of a sudden, these kids want to play with them, and they flood in. So,
2: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a total homer. I don't pretend I'm not. But people that aren't homers that evaluate this, um, they say Justin Rogers ranked above Cam Rising, ranked ahead Casey Thompson ranked ahead of uh, anybody committed in the Big 12 and, um, in, the, and in the SEC quarterback. Justin Rodgers is a beast, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be really curious to see what follows if he commits.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't doubt it. That would be a good chance for them to and, – and honestly, to some extent, I mean, TCU's had some recruiting battles they've won against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, yeah. since they've been in here. But I, I have yet to see where they just absolutely flat out took off of the class since they've been in this conference, and that could be a chance for them to finally do it. Yeah. So, um, just kind of on that note, we brought it up a few times. I know, and this probably more times than TCU fans curious to hear. But I'm honest to hear. I'm honestly curious to hear from your side of it, a TCU perspective side of it. Do you feel like there's somewhat of a rivalry that's being produced between them and Oklahoma that's starting to brew?
2: You know, I, I love that we play Oklahoma. There's a there's a sense that we have a really good rivalry, and that you know the game is going to be good. There's never a bad game with you see you in Oklahoma, but it doesn't carry any blood. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like, um, you know, I hate Texas. I mean, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. But I Does think that that there's count? a it- respect. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think it's a rivalry. There's there's a rivalry that existed for a couple of years between TCU and Baylor that I think was was second to none,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: and you know that ended for for criminal reasons. So I mean, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm glad that's over for that. But, um, but you know, I don't mean to make light of that. But that that ended. Rivalry, but, you know, rivalry. Riles and Patterson hated each other. Yeah. But, you know, Stoops and Patterson don't hate each other. Well, rivalry
1: might be the wor- wrong word for it. I just mean from a standpoint of, I guess, a competitive. All of a sudden, you've got several key recruiting battles that have gone both ways. You've had games, as you mentioned, basically every year they've been in the league that have come down to the wire, yeah. including that amazing finish in 2015 and 14, for that matter, yeah. with the with the pick six basically yeah. to end the game. So you add all that up. I just, to me, it feels like, oh, uh, we're getting a little tired of playing these guys because they won't ever go away. And by, <laughs> you know, just, but not a, not necessarily a hatred. Rivalry might be the wrong word for it, but it just feels like that game's got a little more on it. Than some of the games on the calendar. Yeah, I group. think
2: that game's always got some pop because, you know, like you said, it's always a good game. It's it's never boring, and even even if somebody gets up by two scores, you know that the other team's going to come roaring back. Oh yeah. But you know if you look at if you look at the recruiting battles, it really has stepped up. And you know now that you mention it, from you know from Rager flipping from OU to TCU, that was huge. Get Noah Daniels committed mm-hmm. to TCU over Oklahoma. Um, you know Tyrese Lott flipped from TCU to OU. And then Corey Bethley, you know, he was down yep. to TCU, um, OU, and A and M, and ended up committing to TCU without, you know, it. That, that there were there were a lot of a lot of people fight, you know, in on that fight, and well, that's I, a big battle for TCU. And, you know, OU and A and M, that's a that's a huge deal.
1: And Brandon Bowen or Bowen from the Trophy Club. I mean, going back to yeah. that's one of the first real key ones I can remember. That was well, he was in like what the fourteen fifteen class, and then went to Baylor and then dropped out or whatever, and picked one of those two, so. That's one of the first ones that I can really vividly remember being a big matchup. And, you know, TCU ended up winning that one mm-hmm. out. So, you know, I don't know. we we'll I just, to me, it felt like there was getting a little, th- that game just seems like, in the fan base, it seemed like there's getting to be a little bit more, a little bit extra on that game than there are some of the other ones in the Big 12.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, well,
3: anybody got a question? Yeah, yeah well, wanna... like, well, as far as this, this season, you got any ideas of kind of your prediction? I mean, obviously you're not. There's so many things that can happen as far as injuries or things like that in the fall, but Mm -hmm. I definitely see this team being better than last year's team. And so do you have an idea of kind of what you thought would be a a successful season this upcoming season?
2: You know, I I think it'll be a successful season if we can win nine games. I, I could see that happening. you know, a better way to look at it is I want to get to November and still have a puncher's chance to make the Big 12 title game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't think it's, it, the Big 12 never goes chalk. It's never, you know, nine and nine and zero oh and eight and one and seven <laughs> and two. So, if you're in a spot getting into November where you're like, if we went out and get one break, we can we can get that second spot in the Big 12 title game, and then who knows what happens? Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really successful season, and I don't see anything that. I don't see any reason why TCU can't do that. I mean, we're going to have to catch a break or two. I think the conference top to bottom is going to be better than last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Oklahoma's going to be good. Oklahoma State's going to be good. K-State's going to be good. Iowa State's going to beat somebody that they shouldn't. Yes. I think they're going to win seven, six, seven games this year. Um, the only program I see really – I mean, I think Baylor will be down. Tech will be down. Kansas will be Kansas unless they're playing Texas. Um, so <laughs> I'm not – I think I think it's going to be a tough conference this year. Yeah. And so if we can win nine games and be in a spot to fight for that second Big 12 championship spot, that'll be a great season. That'll be a great season for our fans because everything would be strong going forward. That would mean, you know, we have, a, you know, Sean Robinson coming back at quarterback and all these other guys that are recruits coming in, going into their sophomore season. I'd feel really good about the future of the Frogs if we won nine games this year.
1: Well, how how um, what you know is there a key non-conference game? Where do you see maybe some of the, the ones that are tripping them up along the way, or, or you know, what are the really key games they're going to have to worry about in your opinion?
2: Well, they got to beat Arkansas. I right. mean, that, they, the Big Twelve have to win non-conference games, and TCU has to beat Arkansas, and so I that that's a that's a must-win. We have to beat Arkansas. Uh, the frogs are two and three against Tech since they joined the conference, and they're one and four against Oklahoma State. And those four losses against Oklahoma State have all been brutal. We 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 go at it with OU, and we just lay an egg against Oklahoma State. So I, I think we have to beat Oklahoma State. That's the I think that's the fourth game of the year. Going to Stillwater and getting yeah. that win that yeah that will define whether that will that will probably determine whether we're going to win seven games or, or nine or ten games. So I think that's kind of the key measuring stick. If we can get to that point where we've got a win against Arkansas and a win against Oklahoma State, that. You know who knows what happens after that then 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 you're playing with house money so i think that's going to be you know we're probably going to trip up somewhere between kansas state texas and ou you know somewhere in there we could we could lose a game or two but if we can beat oklahoma state and we can beat arkansas then you're in a really good spot
1: yeah yeah that game with arkansas is usually you know it seems like it's usually a pretty good smash mouth game there for a while and then towards the end something kind of happens one way or another but
2: Usually is a good game. Yeah,
0: and that's a school that needs yeah. to start playing Big Twelve schools more. Like they need to have every year, which it has been recently, but yeah, that needs to be yeah. Well, they you going. know they had
2: the home and home Tech, and they got the home and home with us. So they and then they got a home and home with Texas coming up. So yeah, that's they're, good. They're to doing see. their part on
1: that. I wish we could find a way just yeah. to hijack them to this conference, but I don't think we're ever gonna have the money. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we can handle the fan base. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, their fan base yeah. is a piece of work. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to get out there? Anybody got any other questions for Jeff before we get out of yeah, here? Maybe. Jockstrap, you got anything? I know you've been busy. I mean, getting off topic here? But I mean, I think Texas Tech is going to be like Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> you throwing <laughs> that out there. The, uh, Texas yeah. Tech might be that bad. I mean, I'll take from are they're going to be pretty. Yeah. They're going to be. Gonna be uh, there's a chance they could be pretty bad. No it def- just depends on what happens at the quarterback position. No defense so. and no Mahomes. So oh. I don't know, Jeff. What's your yeah, thoughts on that?
2: I, I, I think Coach Bro is on the hot seat. I don't see any way they. I don't see any way they win. They couldn't even go to a bowl last year, and they beat Baylor and TCU. Yeah. So I don't see any way they're going to to get to six, seven wins, and even even at six wins, I don't think Coach Bro is going to keep his job. He's going to be a great offensive coordinator somewhere next year. Yeah. But yeah. I just don't see him. I just don't see him getting over the hump. And honestly, that's one of those programs that he, that uh, the Big Twelve needs to to have clean well and mm-hmm. they're, they're, they just haven't haven't been able to do it mm-hmm. you know blame it all on crick james <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yep yep that kind of screwed up everything didn't it uh-huh. uh, all right sure well we'll uh we'll let you get out of here man we appreciate you coming on the show very much hopefully we uh, educated some tcu fans any go ahead one more time throw out where they can find you
2: uh track us down on 24 7 or for tcu at hornfrogblitz.com or uh, thefrogcast.com, and you can, if you don't, uh, listen to us on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on uh, Google Play. Just look up the Frogcast and subscribe. We got a big show coming out on uh, June 1st, as well as some some hot recruiting shows after that. So we're um, we're also going to get some reports from our, our summer camps and satellite camps. So looking forward to that. Track us down at thefrogcast.com or try, find us on iTunes. You'll know, find some good Big 12 and TCU content.
1: Alright, cool. I'll be uh, writing that down because I'll need to be getting educated for the season on since I have to cover TCU. So, um, Alright, awesome. man. Well, thank you, Jeff, for coming on. Thanks, we very well, much we appreciate it. it. Uh, we might be hollering at you again here in the next month or two before the season starts to come back on with us, if you don't mind.
2: That sounds great, guys. Alright, man. You, Jeff. Thanks. All we'll right. see you next time. You. Bye, Jeff.
1: Alright, right. that was uh, Jeff, obviously, from Frycast. Uh You guys' thoughts here
3: on TCU? Well, uh, I, I'm I'm a lot more interested in, in watching some TCU now. The reason why I say that is because the, the quarterback situation sounds like mm-hmm. it's way more up in the air than, than what we originally thought it was going to be. Yep. I've seen all those guys that were leaving the, the program, so I just kind of assumed they were like, you know, hey, we're, the, the writing's kind of on the wall, mm-hmm. Kenny Hill. But it, it, it sounds like this freshman coming in is, is doing some damage. And I, I, I really think – Maybe that'll help push Boykin a little. Maybe not Boykin. Sorry. Maybe that'll help push Hill a little bit because mm-hmm. maybe he needs that that competition that you know that extra little push to, to zero in because it seems like, I mean, judging by what they had on their roster last year, there really wasn't a whole lot of competition for him. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it so he was kind of set. There, but if he has a little more competition, maybe maybe he starts coming along.
1: That's a good point. I mean, he it's kind of clear. It was kind of clear pretty early on that he was that job was going to be his, and nobody was going to take it from him. So he just gave him. Especially considering they needed his playmaking ability to add to that offense because they weren't exactly just you know beating the world with everything else they were doing. So
3: right, And, and Jeff was right though. I mean, he did have to throw some balls last year that maybe he normally he probably wouldn't throw but he he was kind of forced into throwing because they they had to have a big play. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if they're able to run the ball and he has a little bit more competition, maybe he gets better, you know, through both of those things and, and can play more consistent football throughout the season cuz last year it was just amazing play then uh what was he thinking play. Mm-hmm. And so it hopefully he can kind of come along cuz he, if he does, if he if he's able to be consistent, they're going to be a good football team. Yeah. There, there's no doubt.
0: Yeah, that's all multiple places had them as a dark horse big 12 contender i don't know that i necessarily agree i kind of i'm kind of with jeff i think nine nine wins is a good year for them and you know maybe if some a couple things do fall their way maybe you know they go into still water beat osu and it does kind of propel them into a big season but i kind of think right there at the lower third of the conference or that lower part of the top of the conference is where they're going to be
1: right yeah and i don't I, i'll be honest I'm still pretty much convinced Kenny Hill is what he is, and we've seen what he is. Me too. I mean, we didn't get to read the question out the way I'd worded it, with the comparison to Trevor Knight. But you know, there was a point where we all had to sit back and accept that Trevor Knight is what he is. We saw the Alabama thing, much like we saw the Kenny Hill thing early on with South Carolina. Everybody's eyes got big, and eventually there just had to come a point where you said to yourself, "That is the you know." The abnormal one, that's not the typical guy that we're getting here. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to have some great moments. But overall, he's probably going to do some things that are going to lose you some games. And I think we know what Kenny Hill is. And for me personally, I think if they're going to have a great year, somehow it's going to have to do with Robinson at quarterback.
3: you be know, right. And another factor in this thing is Sonny Gumby. I mean, does he does he change things, tweak things to keep him – you know, keep the passes more simple. Mm-hmm. Put places that where he's not getting himself into trouble. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, that, that that could factor in too. It, it's there's a lot of new things going on down there, and yeah. so it's going to be interesting. I think, especially, I think during the Arkansas game, you're going. To, I think you're going to be able to tell a little bit more exactly where where he be at. Mm-hmm. That, that's going to be the game to watch as far as trying to kind of figure out has he made improvements in the consistency, or is he the same thing he's he's been? Well, basically,
1: that's, if if he has to become. Um, you know Mahomes or or somebody like that, uh, Johnny Manziel, then you're you're in trouble because he's, no, he's not he's not going to make those plays a consistent ba- basis. He's going to get you know throw picks, fumble, whatever. It's going to happen. So you know, but if they can keep him in the pocket, you know, or or when he does leave the pocket, it's on schedule. You know, if he can do that, then maybe they can get the best out of him. You know, that's basically the, it. They've got to accent his his good points
3: and not right. force him into bad positions. So, and Cumby might be the guy to be able to do that.
1: And and a lot of that's going to come down to that offensive line too. Yes, and we got to see where that is this year too, and how they uh, if they're going to pick up and make things a little better
3: this year too. So, um, anything else TCU I, or otherwise? Well, just TCU. I think their defense is going to be better this year. I mean, I really do. I mean, it's the, there's two linebackers they have are the real deal. They they can flat out play. So if, if that defensive line could hold up the offensive line and let them get to, to the point of attack and make tackles, they're, they're going to be pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Now, the secondary, we still have to see what happens there. I mean, it's, they're, they're, they were so young. They're coming along. They're getting more experience. Does that finally transition into playmaking? If it does, they're, they're going to be dangerous mm-hmm. in defense because we all, we've all said Gary Patterson's a very good defensive coach.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, there's no I mean, doubt. Yeah, that's that's
3: definite. If they if they if you could get the right guys in there to buy into his system and understand his system, they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I I'm really curious to see how will they pan out this year.
1: Well, and a lot of the problems they had too um, in so many of the games that they were just going back. Now the OSU game, they didn't really have much of a chance. They just got buzzsawed right from the beginning. But a lot of the other games. They just didn't get enough defensive pressure to really help at all right. either. With those guys, they weren't just the guys that were really good, talented defensive linemen. They just weren't getting enough pressure. So, you know, that'll if they can somehow find a way to do that. And like I was saying, a lot of people came away from the spring saying that TCU is actually going to be better along the defensive line, especially from a depth standpoint.
3: So might be. I mean, sometimes just because you have big names doesn't mean you play good as a unit. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes you know, unit play is what you win your ball games. Not mm-hmm. necessarily. An individual, I mean, every once in a while, you know, athletic individual will win you a game, but most of the time it's unit based. So well, if they do their job up front, then yeah, you're right. Not
1: saying that that's what was going on, but if you get a lot of those, in last year's case, based on where they were as a class, as far as being seniors, you get a lot of that me, me, me NFL syndrome in a few guys. And I mean, I've seen it on some teams, not, you know, in recent years, where it can really make what should have been a better team, a better performance, look really, really bad. So, you know, and I'm not saying that definitely is what happened, but it could have been what went on there with those three big names they had along the defensive line. So um, we'll see. I don't know, especially when you start getting to a bad year. If things just all of a sudden start snowballing and you know your year's over with, it becomes about, okay, how much money can I make before I get out of here? So, you know. Um, Anything else we want to throw out there, TCU or otherwise? Um, We got next show is the Sooners, right, Wednesday? Wednesday. Uh, yes. I believe so. Yeah, Wednesday with Trevor Rogers from 247 Sports, I believe is how that is. Um, so we'll we'll record that. We'll get that out, I would imagine, sometime Thursday morning. Uh, plenty of time by the time you get to hear this show. So, uh, again, we're, we're updating the website. We've added a few more writers. We are still taking submissions. Got to go through some. So whenever you hear this, if you know somebody that is a, what, TCU writer or interested in writing for TCU? Yeah, TCU Tech...
0: Kansas, Iowa State. Seems like there's another.
1: I'm forgetting somebody. It was five. We basically had five and needed Did five. Did I say Baylor? No, you didn't say Baylor. Okay, Baylor. Okay, so Baylor. Yeah. So anybody that lives in those regions or loves those teams, loves to study them, Aspiring college writer, you know, college kids that are aspiring to be you know, do this for a living, things like that, that want to build our portfolio, have them hit us up because we need it.
0: Uh, This is an unpaid position, guys. We're just, you know, we're all unpaid. Yeah, (laughs) uh, yeah. We don't make any money yet. Uh, You guys start
1: sharing this show more and start giving us the ratings on iTunes where we can start getting any sponsors and everything, then yes, it'll be paid positions. But until then, this is a hobby for us that we do. It cost us money. Well, yeah. We spent a fortune getting this thing going. Trust me.
0: It's more out of just a passion for Big 12 football and Big 12 sports in general. This
1: show has almost caused a couple of divorces. So, (laughs) you know, we can't really be paying anybody at the moment. So, anyway, if you guys know anybody interested, again, our offer to you is that we will get your work out there. You'll be able to build a portfolio for when you do become a professional writer, journalist, whatever. Uh, you know, and we'll, you can use our platforms as far as Twitter. We'll do everything in our power our personal accounts, public account, the show account, whatever, emails. We'll do anything we can to support you, back you, get your stuff out there. So I honestly think it's probably a pretty good deal for a college writer, but, you know, maybe I'm a little biased. I don't know. Uh, anything else we need to get out there? Any other business or anything? No, not this time. <laughs> okay. Nope. All right, guys. We'll, we'll be back pretty soon with The Oklahoma Show. Uh, until next time, everybody say bye.
3: Bye. See you guys. Bye, guys. Thanks.
1: See ya.